So, proceeding. So, in this uh, session, in some ways, uh, conscious or unconscious, come into this form, and first of all, we're just sort of breaking down, I hope. Um, that means, you know, you unplug from your daily engines, drivers, and then the system coast and the wheels come off and uh, unpack. Uh, that kind of uncomfortable experience. Even though one wants to, it's still a bit uncomfortable, just feeling bits not quite fitting, not quite meetings, dull bits, sluggish bits, and some bits just get hyperactive. Suddenly, mind starts scurrying around. You know, this what's wrong? Trying to pick everything up and get established. It's like, you know, you take a dog or a cat to a new house, they've got to roam around the house, run around the house, yap at things until they feel comfortable. So, <laughs> meet the other dogs. <laughs> and then, oh, okay, here we are. Settling and then, you know, being able to kind of, you know, allow that sense of what you don't need. And just recognizing that's not a blanket statement, really. Well, right now, it feels like I do need to do that. But, you know, sensing filling up with sense of value, not as an idea, but as a feeling of, of like a graduating strengthening of presence. You know, um, not as an idea, it's actually almost a, a embodied feeling of here-ness, presence, you know, settling first, seeking probably stillness, moving to stillness to gather around that, some still place, you know, and then, you know, going from there to something a bit more, we might move to and fro from stillness into bits of mobility, moving, walking, stretching, uh, so animation, we're not here to be mummified. And then the, uh, this is the, the, really the, well, a major piece is animation and how that can be allowed to grow in a healthy way, mm. fulfilling way, mm. and pretty, pretty, mm. it's perhaps in overly simplistic terms, from the center to the peripheries, and out, not disconnected, not jumping from the center out, uh, and sort of proceeding through the tissues, through the layers, mm, inward, mm, and then outward. And most obviously, this can be experienced in an embodied way, because this body really has this right there. Psychologically, it's similar, but it's more tricky because, uh, you know, the body gives you a very, uh, fairly good, solid, um, 
way of sensing that and also knowing the body also indicating not now, you know, or, or I want more, I don't want that, you know, it kind of contracts or tingles or opens or you can't push it. So it's coming from the center and gradually, you know, using our breathing and lingering in that, not trying to measure it or attain anything with it or anything like that, just sensing there is breathing as a life quality and animation quality that happens for us as a gift. And getting that way of, of holding it or responding it to it as the gift of life rather than some object I've got to measure or do something with. <laughs> Who's 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 the doer? Disconnected. Mm. If the disconnect tries to do what is what is it, you know tries to do the connecting. Mm. Well, there is the connected, which is the breathing. That's connected to life. It's connected to your inner body, your outer body and the space around you doesn't get more connected than that. So who's this person who's going to do it all? Where, where's she? <laughs> In this very body. And uh, the doer might have various uh, good ideas, uh, read some instructions, wants to get this right, you know, you know, certainly good enough programs, but still it's disconnected. And we want the body to signal, mm. you know, now you may know me. Mm. And also just get the sense of, you know, we, we, uh, we can so easily theorize so normal for us to theorize everything because that's what we have to do we theorize today and tomorrow and you know what duties we theorize other people what I think she needs uh, how I feel he is uh, you know, it's theory it's all theory um, naturally our lives operate around that to a degree so again is the theory uh huh now what's the experience? So we come to that very fundamental living presence. Does he breathe in and out? I think he does, yeah. Feels like it. Feels like a certainly a pattern of something familiar repeated changes in very familiar rhythmic way. It's rhythmic. There's something that brings around a heightening of energy and something that soothes it. And when that energy brightens and there's a something we also experience a sort of opening to the outer. So we'll call that inhalation. Taking in exhalation, we'll call that subsiding where energy turns. Mm -hmm. 
So really being quite careful about not leading on, but sensing what is growing, how it does operate. This is very respectful of embodiment, respectful of life. And if we aspire to respect life, it's not a theory of life. Mm. Where's the non-theory of life? You. (laughs) So start with that, get your learning done with that. Um, Respect, perhaps sounds a bit stiff and formal, value. enjoying, appreciating the gift. This is enormous value because it is life, brings life in and moderates it. And whatever energies and mental attitudes and that conform to that, we would consider such attitudes and attitude um, energies to be valuing and valuable. So it's sensitive, it's sustained, it's patient, respectful. Hmm. All this is then generating the field of value. And uh, if we start to tune into that, valuing, Blessing is perhaps these words are a bit too high, but enjoying, appreciating, being gladdened by mudita. This is this um, reference um, that is extremely significant. because it's the sensing there's something here quite precious that one cannot create, cannot be bought. Because it has no material value, monetary value, it is sacred. You can't buy one, you can't make one. It comes, it's a gift, gift beyond price. So, okay, appreciate. And whatever attitudes, energies, inclinations gather around that, that experience, appreciation, sensitivity, we call these, these are gladdening and they are what's called punya. Punya is the Pali word. Awkward translations, I find them awkward. Um, Merit, goodness, worth, worthy, worth, valuable. 
And uh, in his uh, teachings, uh, the Buddha places this one right at the beginning, Pamoja, Pamoja. So this word mood, 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 it's all the same core syllable. And it expresses this mood, it's a kind of mood. It's an opening, warm sound. And the one is gladdened by one's harmlessness. One is gladdened by one's honesty. One is gladdened by one's truthfulness, authenticity. And the gladdening feeds it back. This is a very important principle. You know, that that which is worthy, we have to acknowledge it. Otherwise, it just we don't know, it doesn't feed back. This act of acknowledging, again, language is not so easy, resonating with. That's the feeding back. I'm gladdened by the honesty, the loving kindness. The harmlessness and resonate with it. Yeah. That resonance amplifies and it feeds it back into the heart, into even into the body. Mm. In instances the Buddha presents that as a kind of inroad, whatever you saying whatever skillful, beautiful, authentic gesture that was made, be gladdened by it. Be gladdened by offering one grain of rice. Be gladdened by offering one stick of incense, one <laughs> kind word. Because if you're gladdened by it, it amplifies and something new gets entrained to it. I pick it up, that's that's it. It's kind of highlighted. And you feel how it felt, and you can return to it. It's a signal, it's created. And a signal of the beautiful. So that, that resonating, signaling, and the whole kind of mudita, pomoja, and omodana, which is the name for our, our sense of the chant that we, when we express appreciation, and omodana, I am gladdened, I am appreciative, we dwell in a mutual appreciation. You have offered to me, that was beautiful, I feel offered to, that is beautiful, we share the beauty. That's the, that's that kind of, what that chant is signifying, or the act of it, when we receive alms food, or anything, an amordana, an amordana. And in um, some village cultures, you know, they might have a, a like a bell, they ring the anamordana bell when great acts of goodness have been done. Every way. <laughs> and if you go to, 
some pujas, some of these pujas, which are great Anamotana experiences, you know, well, we're in Buddha, we're practicing Dhamma, we're all together, we're practicing harmony, we're forgiving each other, we're, you know, scrambling, we're surviving, you know, <laughs> yay. <laughs> There's wild drumming, it's pretty wild, people are jumping up and down on the drums, big drums, and people are stamping their feet on and blowing horns. This is kind of like, is this Buddhist practice? <laughs> they don't do shush shush in Asia. Because <laughs> uh, though it may be a bit too much for us, a bit, <laughs> the sense is that you know the collective communion of the celebration, the fact we survived <laughs> and we're here, and you know life goes on, and you know, and that's there, even a funeral. There's a celebration. Not, you know, I mean, people may feel what they're feeling, but the sense is, well, you know, he's a good person. He, he's done good. He'll probably go somewhere good. Bless him. He's going somewhere good because he's done good. Bless him. You know, we're a bit sad, but we can weep a bit, but we'll also, you know, give him a good send-off, that kind of feeling. You know, so you celebrate the goodness of the being and even the, you know, whatever goodness they've, you can remember them, you say, that's their gift to you. You pick it up and you learn from it. And you, you, you get, oh, we're learning each other. We are learning each other. We're in training, in training. Like drums, you know, two drums start drumming and they hit the same rhythm. We're in training. We entrain because we resonate. And this is somewhat different from I tell you what to do and you obey, which is a more disconnected sense. Which, you know, okay. Uh, but the mudita sense is, hey, you know, this is, this is, I got this idea. What do you think of that? How do you feel about that? Nothing. Okay, well, let's uh, scratch my head start again. <laughs> what do you feel like? Okay, let's sort of set the resonances together and then we could sort of build an idea of what we're going to do out of that. That would be a more uh, beautiful way to do things. Mm. Yeah, so I think we've all agreed some level this is a good thing to be all participate in and, you know, with all the closures and the withdrawals that may happen. Mm. So celebrate. We're hanging in, we're together. Sort of. Bits of us. As much of us as can be is here. And that which can be here could perhaps invite the rest in its own time to come in. Pomoja mudita sharing value in the realm of value. Now we saw, you know, even a somatic level, just this sense of the, the breathing in the body and then letting that breathing warm the tissues. If you do it carefully, gently, around the breathing, warming the tissues, coming into life for the sensitivities. So, you know, first value is not what we can do, which is way off yet, or what we look like, which is way, way off. 
or what we think we should be, which is way, way off. <laughs> First of all, animate, reanimate, that already is amazing. And then can all of, how much of you can be animate, tissues, and it's because, yeah, the graduate, for you too, it's somatically, you know, seeing bits of your body can come online, the feet uncurl, the chest open, hands release. Mm. You know, the face, the eyes, around the eyes. And that may come in little spurts. Something's not ready yet. What's not ready, then we value that. That's telling me it's not ready. Thank you. Okay, that's what it wants to do. Okay. Um, so respectful. And whatever can be opened or here, we value that and try to bring it all into some communion. Breathing into, breathing around whatever feels sore, inflamed, closed. Not wishing to change it at all. Not wishing to change it at all. We're just letting it know we're here. The animation is here. And it's friendly. It's not forcing. And as you probably all would recognize, we can get very animated, uh, excited. You know, because they have positive animation, we get really happy and excited and whoopee, and it's great, this is wonderful. We also get negative stuff, angry, upset. We get urgencies. Oh, I've got to get it. Oh, well, yeah. We get highly animated planning. This and then that, and five of those, two of those, Tuesday morning, Friday, flight, bookings, passport, visa. <laughs> Next year, <laughs> and all that could be crashing around, you know, and then they're retracting, stop it, stop it, stop it, and then, you know, rushing around in various ways, you know, animated you know, recycling of our narratives, which are distraught or poignant, these animate our stories, you've got plenty of energy in them. And our, our reaction to that, people either we go into it, or we lament over it, or we give it a bit more juice, we enter the tribunal, where we recite all the wrongs that have been done. And whose fault it was. Or we in fact go into the jail where we're told all the things we've done wrong, and incarcerated. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, this, what's it doing? I've heard all this. I've, I've, what's it all doing? I've heard all this stuff. No, you haven't. You just heard it from your disconnect place. Right? You heard it from your, your disconnected being, which is me, what do I have to think yeah, tomorrow, yesterday, what's this, this going on in my head? Well, perhaps it's good. You, know, you heard it from there. Did you hear it in your body? 
You're connected, your whole place, your animated place, you're deeply naturally animated. So the natural animation, embodied animation, hear it from there. And then hear it from there, resonate, resonate. Oh, oh, feels. You know, there's some, there's some distress there. There's some need for contact there. Something needs to be met. Something needs to be hard to, not in a dismissive way, but I get it. Mm. So this um, listening to the voice behind the thought with her need and her uh, fear and her self-criticism and the bouncing around those particular modes we sort of we feel needy then we get critical of it it shouldn't be like this we're embarrassed by it and we complain about ourselves and then we need some more comfort because we've been complaining about ourselves so we rush out and we complain about that and then we get then we switch off altogether <laughs> so you know so wherever one can get the that uh, receptor to, to just uh, get something to settle even if it's me moaning <laughs> hmm. the feeling of that hmm. so that the what we find the animations that seem discordant or splitting we kind of bring them in line with the animations that feel more encompassing encompassing I can breathe with this going on and instead of putting them in conflict breathing now breathing as an as an experience of that energy moving and opening and subsiding in the wave of it the felt breathing and then the felt moaning the felt you know whatever it's doing the felt excitement breathing it felt breathing and the felt psychological, emotional animations encompass mm, unrestricted awareness not embarrassed by contact not forming a self out of it where the boundaries start to arise encompassing all the attributes of the Buddha I encompass your mind with my awareness you think that could be a bit embarrassing couldn't it <laughs> but no because it's unrestricted doesn't give up on you doesn't blame shame so you know anything so is there then you the unrestricted awareness widening across the cosmos 
It could be the cosmos of anguish, cosmos of fear. You know, these, these energy bodies, the energy body, the emotional body. An emotional body, which, you know, we can all recognize as its irregularities, surges. The emotional body sits on the energy body, or which is the, so we're just feeling the contractions or the turbulences or the jumping. And then how's the body, the energy body with that? Breathing, widening. So that, that energy of the emotion, the energy of the animated body meet and see what happens. The fact that we can even meet ourselves at all is already a rejoicing because if we at least meet you know, our disappointments and our self-aversion, there it is, feeling it, then at least we're not splitting off from it and burying it and closing our awareness. These are testing, certainly some of this is testing. So these, mm, we see those, this Brahma-Vihara process, if you see it as a process, this is like establishing a dwelling place. Vihara. Boundaries of it, we are everything in here. Signal theme of this place is opening the heart, unrestricted, not measuring, upamano, not measuring, not this is better than that, not measuring everything in here to be covered and acknowledged. However, you know, timorous that is. You know, I can be with this. I don't like it, but I can be with it. I'm not going to further retract. So you could say that's the, that's the basis of metta <laughs> before it goes any further. This is kind of like the initial kindling <coughs> suggestion at turning which can be quite tricky because so often we, when we do the measuring mind act on it, we do the measuring mind, we take the theory of metta, loving kindness, all beings, you know, da da da. Take the theory, think, well, I haven't got any of that, I can't do that. I'm not a very nice person, I don't have much metta. In fact, that's, I realize what a crabby so and so I actually am. So we've actually turned something that should be empowering into something that makes us feel even worse. Because <laughs> I don't have much metta. I can't do it. Yeah. I can only do a bit of it. And then I did this bit of metta. He didn't change him at all. I chucked my metta his way and he's still a nasty, surly beast. And I chucked my, oh, wasted my metal on this guy. <laughs> That's, uh, 
That's the measuring mind, the theory of metta, and its theories of it. Mm. So it's disanimated, this theory. So you're trying to get the real feeling of being able to open, acknowledge, even that just act of bearing, of coming to contact, willing to make contact without, and then the shivering of contact is settled. The shivering of contact is settled. Hmm. Ah, and Anamodana, we've made contact. That is already with no splintering. Therefore, you know, that's already something we get as can, should resonate with. I suppose like many people I, you know, we have this social anxiety uh, on one level and then blind impulsiveness on the other level. So I do both of those. And I feel guilty about both of them. (laughs) So we get to that. I should be able to moderate myself better than this, surely. <laughs> Just noticing, okay, is that then actually the social anxiety is probably more trustworthy, I think. Because <laughs> at least it's sensing there's something else out there that's other. Let's go carefully. Whereas the impulsiveness is, oh, it's great to see you, wham! <laughs> Whether you're ready or not, here it comes, you know. And, then, oh dear, she wasn't ready. <laughs> I thought it was a joke, she didn't like that one. <laughs> Oops, the guilt <laughs> washes back. This is going on for quite a while. <coughs> I think it was about maybe four or four, so I started to realize that other people Obviously, I had my mother and father, but they weren't other. They were just bits of me that did things. <laughs> you know, mum was, was the one who wandered around and put food in front of me and washed me up and put sticky plasters on my legs and gave me a pair of socks. And she did that bit of me. Dad would come over and give me a cuddle and so forth and pat me and chat to me and so forth. and. That was nice too. They were bits of me, you know. And then we lived like that. And I was myself, my brother, my mum and dad. So we had this house on the street in London. And um, people next door, both sides, didn't have children. One was an old couple, grumpy old couple, always moaned about us. The other were a very friendly couple. And then the next house down was a house, um, they had about four boys. So we get out and then we all bundle up together. You know, we kids do run around and throw each other around and you know, stuff that little boys do. <laughs> and then uh, I think, of course, then before that I'd been in a pram, all you know, swathed up, so a little pram being wheeled around. So obviously there were other kids, but you didn't know what they were. They were just little bundles, you know. 
So we just, the first sense of those is other, they were boys. And then one day we met girls. <laughs> I remember the moment, because the first thing struck me, they're clean. It's <laughs> from top to toe, they're clean. I just kind of couldn't believe it. And their hair, it was all kind of, there wasn't a single tangle or knot in it. It was all just combed. They're clean. And the hair was neatly combed. What's that? And most amazing thing I couldn't get away from was they both had socks on, and the socks on both legs were at the same level. <laughs> and they were the same color. <laughs> and their clothes had no, they didn't have any rips or patches in their clothes. They didn't have holes in their clothes and rips. And what on earth is that? <laughs> they didn't have snot on their faces. <laughs> Like normal people did. <laughs> what is that? So we didn't know what didn't know what it was. It was this other boy, and he kind of the girl said, "I'm Penny. She's Penny." Oh, she was sweet. And her friend was Astrid. So she said, "He's Astrid. Astrid. My name's Astrid." So I think this other boy kind of made a joke about it. And she started crying. I thought, "Oh my goodness, this is horrible." Because <laughs> normally what you did as boys, you made a joke about them, they made a joke about you, then you punched them, then you rolled around in the dirt. And that was called becoming friends. <laughs> and they, they didn't look they didn't look they rolled around in the dirt and punched each other, so we didn't know quite what to do about this thing. I knew I wanted one. <laughs> That was the first of the heartbreaks. <laughs> and what on earth is what on earth is another person? I never really got it. Another person is actually other. Other. And so I said, how do you get it right? And not how do you get it right? I'm probably getting it wrong. And then this crying was thought. And the guilt. Oh dear, how do you get it right? So you kind of get shy and awkward and try this and try that, you know, and then you do this and it works, and sometimes it doesn't work, and this is going on, you know. And then your whole kind of sense of trying to get it right, you, you get to get, so your personality starts to develop as the way that will sort of do that inter interaction. You know, your personality develops around this trying to trying to form an interface between this and that. Personality starts to crystallize, and then you're going to present it somewhere or another to different kinds of people that will actually make it work. So there's that sort of nervous shifting. How will he feel that? What do they think about me? What about her? You know, that sense of sort of somewhere underneath all that going on, you get the personality and the energy of that, and then feeling, oh, what the hell? 
I'll get tired of all this, I'll just be who I am, you know? And then that feeling, nobody understands me, isolation, and then the internally. And so this whole process of social anxiety, the social issues, and the trying to fit in, and the trying to conform to what you think other people want, and saying, what the hell, who cares what they want, and not liking that. It's kind of wavering around, you know. Um, that one does individually. And you never want to let anybody else know about it. You never want to let anybody else know what you're feeling. Because the important thing is to get that personal thing the way they want it exactly right first time. So you never want to let anybody really know what's happening. Because that might be rejection, or they might get hurt, or who knows, anxiety builds up. Gets ingrained in the personality, and you can kind of override it by just ignoring people and just broadcast your stuff. <laughs> and then that doesn't, don't like that. Still feel that sense of aloneness, because no matter how loud I broadcast my message and how wonderful my messages are and how much I'm great I feel I am, I've not been met, because I haven't listened. I've been broadcasting, haven't listened, don't know. So when the broadcast switches off, um, well, haven't met anything, nothing's met me, I haven't known it. So, you know, so all this kind of overconfidence doesn't really do it. Trying to roll out a winning act doesn't do it. Trying to crawl away doesn't do it. Yeah. Trying to ignore the topic and go into samadhi sort of bypasses it. But it doesn't, doesn't heal this crack between the animated inner seems to be animated inner and a world alpha. I don't know. But I feel I should know so I can put up the proper action to engage with it that doesn't make any mistakes. So I should know it. So because I should know it, I'll pretend I know it. I'll have a theory of other people. <laughs> And what they should be and what they are, what I am, I'll have that. Mm. And then you pick, right? And then maybe sometimes you notice you're somebody else's theory. <laughs> she doesn't really see me, she sees what she thinks I want or need, or sees my name sees my role, she doesn't see me. She's talking to the theory, probably with a good intention maybe. She's talking to the name, the number, but not, not the animate experience. And I do the same to her. So 
when that is the way in which we try to uh, negotiate this anxious borderline, and one way of dealing with that is, well, look, we can get the theories. You have your theory, I'll have my theory of you, you'll have my theory of me. We'll see how that works, and when it doesn't work, we'll say, bye now. <laughs> and perhaps best to just shut down the animate altogether, or as much as we can, keep it private. Don't be animated in the presence of another. Oh, okay, get away from everybody, have my little jig, dance, play poker, jump up and down, swim, and then knock on the door. <laughs> Hello, yes. <laughs> That may not be the case, but there can be this, the animation at the last point will just go into inner fantasies. I can sit there in some boring meeting, fantasizing about where I'm going next year, and you know, this, that, and the other, and saying, some boring meeting going on, you know, droning on about this, that, and then sangha duties, and private, and anything. I'm saying, oh, it'd be nice to be in Greece at the moment. Warm sunshine. John, what do you think about that? Oh, yes. Um, right. Um, yes. Uh, Russell, the paper. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Hope nobody noticed. No? So the animate will not stop. It will just go somewhere else. It will go into daydream, or go into fantasy, or go. It will keep going. It's going to find because you are alive. And some of those animations are not that fun. Not fun. They go into kinds of negative spirals, imaginations, feeling unwelcome. This proves she doesn't like me. I'm really not fitting in here. Yada yada. I'm not worthy. Those. Mm. So you know, just really, just the. Okay. Coming to connection. I am anxious. Is my nature to be anxious? That's not bad, because there is another. This pause, and what I can know, not as a theory, but the feeling knowing. Remember, in this direct experience training, we're going to that which you can really know is the feeling knowing. The rest of it's theory, which could be true or not, we don't know. What we do know is the know, the feeling knowing. So, feeling anxious, how does the body experience that? A certain reticence about opening. A certain reticence about opening. And where's that? Oh. 
there it is. And what is it that's reticent about owning some kind of quality in there that's perhaps trembly or shivery, but it's alive, meeting it, meeting it, valuing it as an appropriate signal. Yes, we don't know. And valuing the ability to feel and to be present in that, not to shame it, to feel present in that. So remember, presence is both with things and also autonomous in that it's not feeding back anything other than it feels like this. Not good, bad, just feels like this, resonating. And the ability to be resonant and to meet that's a lot better than not being resonant, not meeting. There's a possibility then, true, wiser and graduated um, expansion can occur, not the crazy inflation, the force, strength that dislocates us, we rip out into the world. So it just really one has permission to move slowly or in accordance with nature, resonating in accordance with nature. Tissues are nature tissues, living. These tissues, you may think purely in terms of physical tissues, which is also true. And also you could say <laughs> somatic tissues. That's from something that feels quite open to something that feels quite constricted, something that feels quite tight or dry, something that feels open and tingly. You could say tissues, somatic tissues, and encompassing them breathing them, coming to skin, where we sense, ah, there's the around me, there's something outside of this, and it's open, this particular moment is open, it's spacious, it demands nothing, expects nothing. Oh, now I am settled. Hmm. The settledness, the heart will open. There's no reason why it shouldn't. Why should it not open? If it senses that. Its nature is to wish to open. But it won't open unless the field is ready. Nothing for it to open into. An opening, mudita. Glad for the opening, glad for the process, resonating it, feeling one's uncertainties and anxieties, and ah, good, good. At least you're taking care. Uh, I mean, not jumping. Hmm. Mudita, good bit of process. Mm. 
Now, often that sense of meeting, um, you know, these areas, issues, these tissues and issues, <laughs> energies, and something to cultivate, obviously, because there are others. And we're also, all of us are dwelling in a world of many, I'll call it theory, abstractions, um, institutions, structures, timetables, seemingly inanimate. And if we carelessly, without due consent, just give our energies to those structures, then we deanimate, we mechanize, we are operated rather than operate. Mm. So this is something I'm sure we probably do or feel we have to do, speed limits of this, you can't just follow your energies. <laughs> but as a recognition, okay, I get it. I get it. Yeah. You know, this is for the safety of others. I get it. So these, you know, this, this theory is not bad theory, but if one wants the kind of, I get it, I consent, I understand that. And if I'm careless, I'll apologize. Because I probably will be. Well, at least that, that's the human thing. I apologize so that I can reset. How else are we going to learn? Mm. And that uh, also will detail. You know, and that apology was received more detail because sometimes that's when particularly in terms of human interactions that's really all that's needed. You know, say it and say how it felt and okay, I get you. That was an error. Thank you for the feedback. Now I can negotiate a bit more. Be more fine. How else am I gonna know? Hmm. So all this is, this is valuing the process and the willingness to enter a process whereby we will probably always find ourselves stumbling, tripping over, accidentally barging into somebody, saying the wrong thing at the wrong time, not the right thing at the <laughs> when it was needed. <laughs> and it, <laughs> the same thing's happening. And that's, you know, okay. Then every day we offer blessings. We uh, recognize. We reset. Yeah. We apologize or whatever's needed. We try to generate this field of shared humanity. Not who is the right one and the wrong one. Not separated, but the shared. Hey. It's messy in here. There's a lot of confusion in here. Let's have some compassion. And the fact that we can we can share that, then that already, Mudita, I no longer have to feel uh, there's something deeply wrong with me. We share the, we share the mis- the great mistakes. 
and we share the warming and acceptance of that. Then mm. mm. there's, there's no better and worse, there's no higher and lower, there's no better people and worse people, because we're not dealing with th- that level, the animate level, what gives you back your life. Because when we lose it, when the, the hit of guilt comes in, I don't know what is it for you, guilt and shame, regret, I feel ripped by that. Yeah. I feel heartbroken. I can't hold myself. I'm deeply ashamed. I can't fix it. It's difficult. You know, just going through justifications. If somebody else says, yeah, that was uncomfortable. We all do that. Yeah, I understand. That's okay. Thank you. How else am I going to learn? I don't want the guilt. I don't want to just shut down my conscience in order to not feel guilty. Mm. I seek your compassion. And you, as the one who can offer me your compassion, I deeply value. How could I not? Because I can't do it. Mm. So, you know, this is relational. Of course, uh, you know, you know, certainly in Buddhist monastic culture, this is sort of so important we're practically doing it at least every once every two weeks, but generally more often than that, we're asking forgiveness. Um, and of course, like everything else, it could be just a ceremony, just a ritual, like saying thank you or have a nice day, but really trying to get into the felt sense of, you know, I have, I probably have mis- made mistakes, I probably will make mistakes. Bear with me, will you? It's not a kind of, you know, in, the, in that, well, we might take forgiveness, like the Redeemer will forgive you for your sins. No, this is like, look, look, bear with me, will you? <laughs> it might be a bit lumpy at times, but I mean, well, bear with me, and I'll bear with you, and let's be honest and try to help each other. Along. That's, that's, the, that's the contract. It's called the invitation. Please let me know. That's part of the culture. And even on the um, kind of purely ritual level, then it's in our normal prolonged chanting, there's a phrase we say, ask forgiveness of the Buddha. For whatever errors I've committed, body, speech, and mind, I ask forgiveness of the Buddha and the Dhamma Sangha. Well, I don't see him. Where, you know, you're asking like for the Lord above to. No, it's it's a kind of a resonance of, you know, could I claim that every single one of my mind movements today has been spotless and immaculate? <laughs> <laughs> Unlikely. So, 
Well, it's going to start into a kind of list all your faults. It's a sense of, you know, when you're open to Buddha, you're opening to your own awakening sense, which means like, let, in a way, it's encouraging. Can I encompass all of it and just see if any in there kind of jumps up to say that was a bit funny or looks like that was a problem? Anything in there then? What do you get out of that? What do you sense with that? What happens? Where do you, you know, what? Uh, uh, where was the energy shifted in the wrong direction? Sometimes it's just that. Too quick, wrong time, wrong place. Uh-huh. Awaken to it. And so that, this is kind of done as a daily reset. That's the idea of it anyway. And um, so we get a feeling of a kind of a, at least making those gestures, because if there isn't another person, then in some way we have to constellate a sacred form that we can speak to. Yeah. And certainly, you know, these images and so forth, I, every day, speak to them and they never say anything back. But they do resonate that stability, that gentleness, that uprightness, that harmlessness. And they're always, all these images are open-bodied. You can see them, male or female, they're, they're open-bodied. You know, really open. They're not kind of... So you're just going to that you can pick up that, that sense so that we can animate, even animate to some degree, animate these, these images with our potencies. That's why we chant to them. Yeah. Because you take the word, bring it back, breathe it, chant it. So you kind of begin to signal that to yourself, signal that as an animation. See what I mean? You create a signal, you use it, you resonate, you vocalize it, you signal it, and the signal returns. It says, wake, be more wakeful, wake, wake, open. It's, you know, it's that signal, Dhamma, get all of it. Wholeness, not just some fragmented self, but all of it, whole picture. Sangha, human, struggling, trying to work it out, cooperative, get some of that and bring that in. And this is where I am. This is the field that meets me. And this one isn't subject to the same rules of the, or conditions of the separative domain to which we arise in sense contact. So that chanting is itself is a mudita, gladdening, listening, taking it in. A mudita that is the is the great unifier. And it, instead of being unified as an in as a isolated entity, we're unified in a field of value resonating the precepts, so forth. Mm. 
just take a few moments with that because I'd really be interested uh, if we take a few moments of quiet, really interested to invite my good friend Laura if she felt like she would like to reword any of this, I'd be really interested if you could share that. But let's take some time. Maybe wriggle around or stand up. <laughs> 